You are listening to the Real Movies Podcast. I'm Rob Carmack. I'm sitting here with John Rhodes. How's everybody out there? Doing okay today, John? I'm doing well. Doing well. I see you've got your, your nice zebra clad outfit. Head, <laughs> yes. Head to toe in zebra print. <laughs> Absolutely. In in honor of this. I like the, the top hat also in zebra print. You've and come you've come ready to, to work today. I absolutely. See. Yeah. Are, there's there's nothing if I'm I'm nothing if I'm not high fashion. Yes, and I'm wearing <laughs> elephant skin from head to toe. So on that note, we're gonna be talking about the two thousand eleven documentary Bill Cunningham, New York. I've said many times that we all get dressed for Bill. Okay. This is Bill Cunningham on the street this week. There's no reason to be doom and gloom and think that fashion is finished. The best fashion show is definitely on the street. Always has been and always will. We're all blank canvases when we get up in the morning and we paint ourselves. Street style emerged at the same point that Bill got a camera. He's been documenting me since I was a kid and it's one snap, two snaps, or he ignores you, which is death. Bill's fingerprints are all over everything he does because he's never, ever, ever sold out one inch of anything. Put her here and put her over here. Put it on. Stop your antics. Put it up there. The the first time I saw this movie, it just kept getting recommended to me on Netflix. It, it was I was in the middle of watching things like Helvetica and um, a couple of different kind of nuanced art films and... Uh, this one kept getting recommended to me, so one night I clicked on it and said, what is this? And uh, it essentially, for those of you that don't know, it chronicles the life of Bill Cunningham, who is the fashion photographer for the New York Times and who has been for years. Yeah, he's, I mean, he, um, he is a New York staple at this point. He, he is, he's Woody Allen. He, he's, he's just one of these guys that is associated with the city of New York. Yeah, and he turned 80 years old in 2009, which is when this documentary was shot. And um, he's still working today. He travels around the city on his bicycle and rides all over the city taking pictures of people on the street every single day. And then he puts them in the Sunday fashion uh pages. And, and we should say, the people he takes pictures of are not necessarily people in the fashion world. And and, and the documentary makes very clear, he's not looking for celebrities. Right. Bill Cunningham, his main objective is to find interesting looks around the city. And it, it, could be, it could be anybody. Anybody who chooses to make their own choices in fashion or with the, with the clothes that they wear, Bill Cunningham just very well may take a picture of you. Absolutely. And I mean, he doesn't ask. He doesn't... He just... He'll he'll run up in front of you, point and shoot, and uh, but he's not obnoxious about yeah, it. Yeah, he's he's not paparazzi, and I think that's one of the things that the movie makes very clear that there is a huge difference between um, kind of the TMZ style photographer that is all about trying to get the the celebrity doing whatever in the magazine or on their show or sell, you know, some picture of a celebrity looking stupid. And then there's there's Bill Cunningham who is all he wants is the clothes. He doesn't care who is wearing it. He just wants to know that he just wants to photograph the clothes in action. And um he he's he's really really good at what he does. And um so I kind of I mean it's it's a very simple concept. They just follow him around and what he is and what he does. And he has been, you know, 
He's been at this for for years. He started in the fifties with um, Women's Wear Daily, and he had a, a complete and total falling out with them because they used some pictures. Of his, yeah. yeah, they used some. Sorry, they used some of his pictures, and they did a best and worst dress. Like he had he had photographed people on the runway, and then he had photographed the same looks on the street. Showing, hey, look, these women are actually wearing this runway stuff and doing it well. Well, well and they were showing the difference. Like some some things, I mean, th- things look different on a runway, but that doesn't make it bad. It just made people have made it their own, right? And he right. Me- he meant it to be a very positive, encouraging kind of piece about how people take runway clothes and make them just normal clothes. And yeah, and so he he did this piece, and then the people at Women's Wear Daily decided no. We're gonna um, we're gonna change this and be a look at how the supermodels look good in it and regular women are ugly. Yeah, it, it it became it became a very cynical, jaded piece about how normal people should not dress like models. Right, and and he was furious about that and quit immediately. And so that is the one thing that I mean, we'll talk about him as a person and and stuff like that, but. Um, I think that is the the huge difference is that he is not out to make anybody look bad. He is there to try and highlight here is this world, this fascinating this world that he has a complete obsession and fascination with, and um, you know he wants to to put it in the most positive light that yeah. is out there. He has, and and this this is one of the things I, I feel like you have to talk about when you talk about this documentary. He has such a specific ethical drive, and the idea of taking pictures to harm someone is unthinkable to him. I mean, he was so – in fact, all of his friends that were interviewed about this um, this issue he had with Women's Wear Daily, he he was so – he was crushed that they did this. And so just constantly he would keep – they would keep returning throughout the documentary, not specifically to this issue, but just the issue of Bill has these sets of principles – and he will never, ever, ever violate them, no matter what. Like one of the one of the principles is like he never takes pictures to harm anyone, never, yeah. never to make fun of anybody. Another one is he doesn't eat when he's working. He doesn't eat. he eats before he leaves the the office or his, or his home. And then if he's standing up at a party for hours, he won't even take a glass of water. Yeah, he because he he's in his, in his mind he's not there to participate. He's there to observe. He's there to find. Things that look interesting. And he is invited to the most exclusive galas in New York City. Yeah. Everybody wants him there. Everybody wants to be put in the New York Times. Everybody wants him there. I'm sure he has been offered everything. Well, and they show, like, there's a stack of mail on his desk that he just can't get to. Yeah. You know, like, people inviting him to all kinds of stuff, and he's just like, I I can't do it. I mean, and, and that's kind of the beauty of this is... A socialite who is worried about their social status within New York would kill for his invite list. But he's just like, meh, you know, I'll, I'll get to him. If the cause is good, I'll make sure I go. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, it's not about who is there. It's not about, you know, who are we going to see and, and what celebrities and what big names are going to be there. It is, it is strictly about what good are they doing for the community. Yeah, and that's that's another thing that continued to come up as well. Is and this is something we talked about when we discussed Exit Through the Gift Shop. 
which is the the divide between art and commerce. In fact, there's there are legendary stories about him being sent checks and then going into the editor's office and ripping them up. And he he has mostly completely refused to accept money for doing this thing yeah. that he could be making. Quite frankly, he he could be a very wealthy man at this point in yes. his life. And he, he refuses to take money. And he, they ask him about it in the documentary. And he says, if you don't take their money, they can't tell you what to do. Yeah. And that right there, that is the that is the key divide between art and commerce. And anyone who has, has tried to make money doing art understands this, this division. The idea of, I want to get paid for the art. But the thing is, as soon as someone pays me for it, they can tell me how to make it. Exactly. And so, and, and Bill has just, he has figured out how to live in the world without taking that money more often than not. And so and so he's been able to hold on to this integrity and as a result he can afford to walk away from women's wear daily and never look back. Right. Because he does he like if the editor were to say Listen, you're going to be out on the street, and you're you, you know, and I'm, you're never. No one's ever going to print another picture of yours. Bill would say, "That's fine. It, if if, the, if that's the cost, then I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take your money." Right. And so and, and so Bill has he has that freedom because he's not he, he's not desperate for for cash, and he never has. Well, been. I mean, he does work for the New York Times, and he does get paid at the New York Times, right? But it's not <clears throat> it's not the same thing as. As I think, I mean, he's he's now an institution in which he gets to basically do whatever he wants. Yeah, well, and his um, he, his living expenses are so small yes. at this point. He lives he or at at the time, and I, this is one part of the documentary. He was living in one of these little artist coves inside Carnegie Hall. Yeah, in a rent control apartment. Yeah, and um, and he's riding around New York City on a bicycle. He barely eats anything. He, he never does anything recreational. All he does is eat, sleep, ride on his bicycle, and take pictures. Yeah, he doesn't, I mean, and I'm sure that the, uh, I'm sure the New York Times pays for all of the, the uh, film cameras and and um, developing that he needs. Yeah. And so that's not an expense. And he doesn't have a TV. He doesn't go to, you know, he doesn't listen to music. He goes to church on Sundays, and he takes pictures. Yeah, and that's it. He wears the same blue jacket everywhere yes. he goes. He's not. He's not out there buying expensive clothes. The, the clothes that he's taking pictures of. Right, and, and that that's something that I think is is also really interesting. Is his obsession with clothing does is not about him wearing it. Mm-mm. It's about him showing the world what exists. He is the most simplistic, most minimalist person I have ever seen, especially in New York. Oh, most right? definitely. Like, I mean, his, that little, that Carnegie Hall apartment, how big would you say that thing is? I, I couldn't even say. It's smaller than any apartment I've ever lived in. I mean, it's probably... Less than 600 square feet. Yeah. And it is full of filing cabinets everywhere. There is a path that you can go to all of the filing cabinets and open them, but you probably can't open both sides at one time. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is an area cut out for his bed, which is a twin mattress set on top of boxes of photographs that would be in filing cabinets. Mm-hmm. And that is it. And, you know, part of this documentary is is that Carnegie Hall wants to move these artists out. And 
move them into basically regular apartments instead of these giant studio apartments. Well, there's some that are giant studio apartments and some that are tiny little studio apartments with the bathroom in the hallway and no kitchen, which is what Bill lives in. Mm-hmm. And Bill's like, you know, they're probably going to move me into something with a bathroom and a kitchen. Who needs a kitchen? Who needs a bathroom? <laughs> and, you know, it's just things like that that you're... Who needs a kitchen? Yes. That's funny. And, you know, spoiler alert, at the end of the, at the, end of the movie, he, he does get moved into an apartment that overlooks Central Park, and um, it does have a kitchen, but the end of the movie, it says um, he moved out all of his appliances to put filing cabinets in. <laughs> like, he took out the refrigerator, and he took out the, uh, the stove, and all of that kind of stuff, because that was getting in the way of where he could put filing. Well, he has a way of life. Yeah, for sure. And and this apartment, I mean, like you said, it's overlooking Central Park. Anyone, anybody would kill for this apartment. Oh, yeah. It's, it's amazing. such a nice apartment. And and so he he, he guts it and <laughs> puts all yeah. his filing cabinets in there. But so. uh, it's but really, in all the things you can't talk about any any scene at all in this movie without at some level talking about who Bill Cunningham is as a person. Yes. And so, to me, this was, I'm not sure, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm missing one. To me, this is the first actual character piece that we've done on, on real movies. You know what I mean? Like, we've done subject matters that have been heavily dependent on characters. I don't know that we've we've ever done a story so completely dependent on character development as this now man on wire maybe a little bit yeah but it was only it was only a character piece to the extent that they were trying to get to the world trade center that's probably true i mean there there was there was an objective this was just a this was just a a, you know a glimpse into the life life, yeah yeah. of, of bill cunningham and it was all about him and who he was and and his life um i i yeah i agree um but but it was – I mean he, he's a fascinating enough subject that I think he carried an entire documentary. Definitely. Well, and I know earlier this year there was a Woody Allen documentary also. So apparently there is some sort of movement in the New York social world that's saying we have these people in our, in our world that we need, to, we need to go back and we need to figure out how their stories happened. Right, and so Bill Cunningham, and so later on, I'd love at some point for us to do the Woody Allen documentary. I don't even know if if it's being released at any point, but yeah, it's on Netflix. Oh, awesome! It's, so yeah, at some point we ought to do that. But um, yeah. I I enjoy, and and these are the kinds of movies I like. Also, it, kind of scripted movies. I like a scripted movie that is more based on the character than on the we got to get to the you know. There, there are giant robots taking over Chicago. You know what I mean? I, I would much prefer a movie just about a group of people who, or a person who is who, who is working through a specific time in their life. And so this, to me, was the documentary equivalent of that, and I really liked it. Yeah, um, I mean, there were some there were some really interesting things. Like he is, he's very old school in his ways. The the equipment that he works on mm-hmm. is he still takes regular film camera i mean he he shoots regular film he has to wind his film he um you know brings the negatives in and puts them uh on a machine that kind of uh blows them up onto a tv to see whether he likes them or not and uh the ones that he likes he leaves alone the ones that he doesn't like he takes one of those you know kind of chalk pencils and marks them up um and he's, I mean, he does think, he's probably 
one of the hardest working people. Um, yeah. At what he does and his craft. I mean, he's out there every single day taking pictures and going to these events and these galas at night. And he's riding his bike everywhere that he goes. And, you know, he has to do all of this and get, get the deadlines in before they, um, you know, he has to do all of this during the week and then get, get it in by the deadline on, on Sunday or, well, I guess it's on Thursdays or whatever is when his deadline is. But it really is interesting to see somebody that, that is so dedicated and so devoted to what they do. The only thing is, I mean, he really, he is his work. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there there's kind of a, a little bit of a sadness to the fact that he has no relationships. He has minimal friendships, um, like real deep friendships, yeah. and no, um, no romantic relationships. Not saying that 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 completes you or whatever, but he just he's in love with his work. Yeah, so much so that later, like towards the end of the documentary, the the filmmaker sort of kind of tries to ask him if he's gay. Yeah, and. To, to have spent this much time with a guy and not be able to answer that question. Right. I mean, this tells you, I mean, it's just, it's just not a part of, and he, that's how he answers it. It's just not something I ever thought about. I just, yeah. I never thought about having a girlfriend or getting married. It's just not something that ever, you know, I, I ever really thought. About uh, yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that it's just, that's not even an issue to him. No. Which is so crazy because, He's you know one in a million that uh, that that's not an issue to yeah. you know and there mean, are most, those people out there you know most people want to find somebody else to spend their life with um, and he he has no desire to do that. I have the feeling that he doesn't sit down and talk to people too much. I have no idea about his private life. I have no idea if he's lonely. I once went to his studio. Have you been there? This is my clothes closet. Does he still sleep on the cabinets? Who the hell wants a kitchen and a bathroom? Because if you don't take money, they can't tell you what to do. That's the key to the whole thing. (laughs) New York society becomes harder and harder to define. Bill is a true egalitarian. However, that doesn't mean he isn't aware of cultural vision and hierarchies. He just treats it all the same. I'm not interested in celebrities with their free dresses. I'm interested in clothes. The thing is that I find interesting about him is like you see a lot of very successful people, especially in New York, that are so ambitious and so cutthroat. And they do whatever they can to succeed. And sometimes that means they have to make questionable moral decisions and he is he is not like that. He anymore. won't do it. There's no way. Yeah, he yeah. he is above reproach on his ethical on on how he ethically treats all kinds of situations. Yes. And I think that's that's fascinating. You know, I I coach speech and debate and sometimes the kids that win are jerks. Mm. Sometimes there are some kids that are very, very successful at what we do, and they are just – they're just terrible people. Right. Right? And but that's, that's every, true of yeah, every field. Right. Yeah. But but every now and then you see a kid that is just a good kid, and they win. And that's how I felt here because that's what I have to relate it to is, is how I work is when you find that kid 
that is you find that person who's a genuinely he's a good person he he is positive he wants people to succeed he's trying to he's trying to bring you know light into a, a place that is all about cynicism and all about you know tearing others down and he highlights the good in people and that is that is his legacy, which is is huge. He, well, he genuinely loves people. Like the, yes. this is that was something like you like you're saying. I feel like all his ethics come down to that. He believes he believes that he should be working as hard as possible, and he believes that other people deserve to be treated with dignity and respect at all times. Those two the those two single ideas have driven every th- single thing about him, and he is universally beloved. Yes. So I mean, to, to me, there is a huge lesson in that. Like there, there is something majorly. I mean, there, there is something we. I, I think we could all learn from from understanding that those are his two principles in life. Yeah, just really interesting. And, and like like I said, you can't talk about his character. You can't talk about the film without talking about his character, and you can't talk about his character without talking about his ethics, um, because that is such a that's just such a huge part of who he is. Let's do positives and negatives. Uh, I mean, the positives for me is just that, to see what, you know, what a cool guy to be in in a place like New York City, a place that will chew you up and spit you out and that will continually tell you all the negative things and let you hate yourself. But he he's there to show you all of the good things that are, that are in the world. And, um, well, not in the world, but I mean... In his world. In his world. Yeah. In his world, right? I mean, he's still in about fashion, right? So there's a there is this this mindset that when we have all of these other social issues going on, you know, how important is fashion. But he he goes ahead and says that that without fashion, fashion is your armor. Mm-hmm. You know, fashion is the armor we put on every day to go out in the world to fight. And um, so and you know, to him that's that's a very important thing. Well, and and I did not expect to enjoy that much watching a movie about a fashion photographer. I wanted to see it just because it had gotten a lot of good reviews, and it was it continued to show up in the Netflix queue. But but I really I didn't expect to to really connect with it. And the thing that I connected with it was a similar thing in Beer Wars is that they found a way to make it about something more than just the the subject on the screen. Because the thing about fashion for Bill Cunningham, it's not just how things look. It represents the choices that people make in life. And he says and that's why he doesn't want to take pictures of celebrities, because celebrities are dressed by other people. Right. And they're you know, they they have professional stylists. He says celebrities have no appeal to him at all. What he wants to see is when when this person woke up this morning and looked into their closet, what choices did they make? So to me, Bill Cunningham's Art isn't just about how people look. It's about the choices that they make. And like what you just said, it's about what armor they choose to to engage the world with. Yes. And so it all of a sudden, this is not just a movie about a fashion photographer. It's about how how do other people present themselves to the world, and how does this guy like look at a sea of people in New York and be able to pinpoint like there's a person. In the middle of this crowd of people, there's a person who made a very distinct and personal choice today, and I'm going to take a picture of it. Yeah, and and that is also fascinating. I mean, this dude's this dude's 80 years old, and he will find he will see one person in a giant crowd run them down and take their picture. Yeah. I mean, in the busiest, most yes. congested city in the world, and I mean that is impressive. That is, it really is where 
and you know, it, and several other people talk about, we'll be in mid conversation, and he'll just he'll see somebody and just run off and take their picture. Yeah, right. And because he's he's always looking, he's always looking for that interesting point of view, and um, and I think that's I think that's important to have somebody out there that's willing to do that. I mean. Not everybody can do that. Very, very few people can do that. And so he is he is the best at what he does. Yeah. And this is and this is the job of the photographer. My wife's a wedding photographer or yeah. I guess she's transfer she's a birth photographer now. But um but this is what she does. And so anyone that what what you see in this film is that being a good photographer is not having nice camera equipment or being able to take a picture of this thing at whatever time in the afternoon it's being able to identify things in the world that other people might not see and to take a and 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 see it not only to see it but to capture it in a way that other people can see it the way you see it exactly that's i mean that is an amazingly specific skill and i mean the thing about our, our culture now is everybody's a photographer i have a camera on my phone yeah everybody has like instagram or whatever and so everybody's a photographer but not everybody's an artist and so the the bill cunningham thing it shows you the ability to take a picture and do it well is the ability to capture something that no one else would have seen if you hadn't taken that picture. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so, so my positives for this is, you know, we we get to see that not always nice guys don't always finish last. You, you know, know, that's great too. Um, and he was a really interesting person to watch. Um, I'm not, a, I I'm not a big fashion guy, but at the same time. He made me want to kind of see his. He wanted. He made me wanted to see his work a little bit more. Yeah, you know. So I thought that was kind of cool, and that was my my positive is just him as a person. I think he, he's he's a really really interesting guy. I could not have said it better myself. By the way, if you want to see more of his work, he there's a book published of his favorite pictures that he's taken. The, the name of the book is The Sartorialist. I gave it to Caroline for Christmas last year, and it's I've flipped through it a couple of times. It's phenomenal. I mean, it's just like it's just pictures. It's it's just normal people walking around in clothes, and just the things that he notices and sees. It's just really fascinating. Did so, Caroline watch this documentary with you? She did. This and, stuff, actually in the entire in the history of our podcast, <laughs> this is the first documentary she watched with me. She and really, what did she think of it? She liked it. She okay. liked it a lot. Yeah. Cool. She 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 found the process a lot more interesting. Like the thing that she found most it was there there was a scene where. Um, there, Bill Cunningham is standing over the shoulder of a guy who's editing his pictures for him on the computer. Which, ba- and I would not have caught this, but basically, she's like, he doesn't know how to use the computer. Yeah, like she said that, like there's somebody she has to have somebody co- because the guy was like cropping the pictures and he's freaking out. Like you're leaving out her hands. You have to keep moving the crop. You can't just what are you? You're an animal. You're destroying the picture. And Caroline's just she's she's like yeah he. Um, he doesn't know how to use the the software, right? <laughs> like that's that's all this this scene is showing you. But I I missed that. Like I I thought, well, he just has somebody to use the computer for him. No, I mean, well, like he he is eighty, yes. And so you know, not everybody changes with the times. I mean, I think that's why he still uses an old school camera. I think that's still why he uses film and not yeah. not a digital camera. And uh, because God knows, I mean, he could save the New York Times probably. I don't know, probably $100,000 a year in film processing, at least. By learning I mean, how to use By using Photoshop. a digital camera. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and not having to get every roll of film printed. Yeah, and, he's a purist. Yeah. And you're right, so. it's expensive to be a purist. Yes, <laughs> it is. And, 
I mean, if he just switched cameras and and went digital, like he would save so much money. But they want him, and they want him bad enough that they'll pay that. Yeah, and and that's that's fine. So um, negatives. You know what? Even though I'm not, gonna, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you that I'm not going to give the movie a ten. It didn't give me any sort of emotional like moment. I, I, I'm having a hard time coming up with anything directly negative to say. It was really lean. I appreciate that they don't like the, the filmmakers did not spend a whole lot of time just wasting time. Like a, I feel like a lot of like Art of the Steel did. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it, the movie is less. It's 83 minutes, mm-hmm. and so it's it's very lean. They tell the story they want to tell, and then they're done. Um, I got. I mean, I I could probably make something up, but tr- truthfully, I I don't really have a, a specific complaint about this movie. I, I'm kind of the same way. I I'm not complaining about it. Um, there are times that there are times that I'm watching it that I'm like, uh, I guess, that's it. I guess that's neat, but it's not like there isn't there isn't something that just puts me on the edge of my seat, right? At all. Right? Um, it's very just matter of fact, this is what it is. Right. right? It's kind of like when somebody tells you an interesting fact. You're like, oh, that's interesting. But it's not world shattering. Right? It doesn't just shake you to your core on who you are. But you're like, huh, I'm glad I know that. It, it's a window into the life of a guy who's a pretty yeah. cool guy. Yeah. And, and I mean, and, and because it is that, because it is just kind of, you know... I guess a year in the life. I mean, they kind of document him for for a good amount of time. Um, it it doesn't really go anywhere. I mean, it's just his life for a year. Yeah. Right. Like there wasn't a goal. He wasn't trying to achieve anything. He wasn't trying to to win anything. He wasn't trying to um, you know become something that he wasn't. It was more of well, this is who he is, mm-hmm. and we think the world should know that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but. There's nothing too exciting about that either. Right. I, I feel like this is going to be, this film will be a good artifact later in time after he's gone and like, like newspapers have gone completely digital and there's yeah. no, and I, I mean, I, you hate to like speculate on after the man is dead, this is going to be a lot you know more interesting. But I mean, truthfully, there, there are certain people, like what if we had a documentary like this about like Van Gogh or Picasso or something like that? Yeah. Because today that would be a really interesting thing because the, the, the impact they've left on the art world is so... It's so dramatic, and I feel like Bill Cunningham, in in the world of photography, and specifically the photography of people, um, I feel like I feel like he's leaving that similar kind of mark. But I don't think we I don't think we can see the significance of it now. I think it's going to happen later on. Yeah, I think you're right. So ratings, uh, you go first. Well, how would you rate this? Um, you know, the thing is, I, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was good, but. Um, but there wasn't anything like super compelling, um, so I'm gonna have to rate it a seven. See, you say like that's a bad thing. I think yeah. sevens are fine. Yeah, rating. I mean, but I've been I've been rating some high. I mean, the the last couple of documentaries have gotten like Man on Wire got a nine for me, didn't it? I think so. And, I, uh, I don't remember honestly. It was. I high think though. Man on Wire got like a nine, and what did we do right before Man on Wire? Uh, Beer, Beer Wars. Wars, which I, I really liked, and that got. Like an eight point five or something. Yeah, beer war. The thing that beer wars had that this movie doesn't, and that Man on Wire had, is that this movie doesn't have, which is stakes. Like there's, yeah. there's really no like, oh, if this doesn't happen, 
then this won't happen. Right. Other than the, like, he might get moved to a different apartment. Like, that, yeah. that becomes really the only, like, set of stakes. But, I mean, like, like we said, this is a movie about a guy who's been living the same life for the better part of a decade. And so, or not a decade, a century. So, um, the concept of stakes are pretty low here. But, um, but I did enjoy it nonetheless. I'll give it a seven also for yeah. that. But but I mean, and it's, a seven is not a negative rate to me. A seven is a very high rating. No, it is. It's a high rating. It's just for something that I could find so few negatives in. That was about as low as I could give it. Right? Like, yeah, I guess so. That I mean, I don't have these glaring negatives that that bring the score down, but. It's just a personal taste. Thing. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind of like uh, when you get the Olympics coming up, right? Mm-hmm. So, degree of difficulty. Okay. This is a degree of difficulty. It maxed out at what it was. It was a good, solid seven. That's a really, that's a good metaphor for, the, it maxed out at, in its degree of difficulty. I like that metaphor a lot. Yeah. Um, because you're right, because some of these documentaries we've watched have been very ambitious, and they've achieved for example, like the interrupters, or yes. um, like exit through the gift shop, or something like that. Some have been very ambitious and underperformed dramatically, like Art of the Steel. Yeah, <laughs> and so which I, is so far is by far our lowest rated yeah. documentary. So, um, but yeah, Bill Cunningham, like you said, it, it maxed out in its weight class. I think so. Um, I, I think seven is a great rating for a documentary like this. So, yeah. thank you, Bill Cunningham, for the work you've done. And uh, next time, we're, man, we're shifting gears big time for the yeah. next documentary. <laughs> we're watching the Werner Herzog uh, true crime documentary, Into the Abyss, which was released in 2011. It's streaming on Netflix. That'll be our next episode. Any any final words, John? No, I mean, uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter at Real Movies. You can see us on Tumblr at realmoviespodcast.tumblr.com. And uh, you can like us on like Facebook. Us on Facebook. And rate us on iTunes. Do all those things, and you will get a sticker. Yeah. If you let us know that you did those things. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, thanks to everybody for listening. John, we'll see you next time. See you next week.